But anyway, um, the plow there. Uh, that plow, um, I had a vision about a plow. Um, it, the, the plow up there is a symbol of ministry in the um, spiritual sense. It's a symbol of ministry. And um, the idea being that you, uh, you, you plow on good ground, and you plant seed. See, see the little ring. See the little ring there, right above the word of. See that little ring. Yeah. You hook, you hook, like a horse or a donkey up to that ring to pull the plow. Well, in a spiritual sense, it's the Holy Spirit is is pulling the plow. You're guided by the Holy Spirit in spiritual ministry. Does that make sense? Yeah. The Holy Spirit shows you where to go, where to plant seed, and uh, uh, the garden of your heart. That is is something different, um, but it, it's on the same sense. Uh, that we'll talk about in a little bit. I wanted to talk about ministry first. We are all um, in ministry. All of us are. Um, even children, whether they they know it or not, you know, a child can minister to your heart just like an adult can. It's amazing. Um, but, but we are all in ministry, and um, even even people that are not Christians uh, have to minister in some way or another. You know, I mean, they, um, people that are not Christians have families. They minister to to um, spouse or to children. So everybody's in ministry. Um, in in the spiritual sense, when you, when you a born-again Christian, it takes on even more, more uh, weight, more uh, responsibility, because they're, um, you know, as uh, as our job is, it, we're, we advance the kingdom of God. And um, Rocky, the Roman, the warrior, um, was in armor and he was advancing the kingdom of God, he was also ministering as well. And um, when you advance the kingdom of God, you've got an enemy. And um, that, that kind of goes back to the Garden of Heart a little bit. Um, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I got this message uh, I should say that back in October, uh, Pastor Jason, uh, we had a board meeting in October, and Pastor Jason asked if anybody would want to preach. And, and I said, Lord, if you want me to preach, uh, you're going to have to let me know. And so nobody volunteered, and 
nothing happened. And then in November, he brought it up again. And then, then um, nobody, nobody volunteered. And then the very next day, the Lord says, I want you to preach. And so I let Pastor Jason know. Uh, the Lord just gave me a nudge and he wants me to preach. And, and the next day after that, I got all this stuff downloaded into my heart. You know, kind of like when you go on a computer and it downloads yeah. something you want on a computer. Yeah. It was just like that. I spent the whole day with the Lord just going over and over this stuff. And it really ministered to my heart, the garden of your heart. Um, I remember... I remember back in October, uh, I was praying for Pastor Hart. I took a couple days praying for him. He used to be our pastor here. And um, I don't know what exactly, specifically, was on Pastor Hart's heart, except that he had a concern for this church and this church body. And so, I spent a couple of days praying for you. And on the second day, the Lord told me to go on his Facebook page. So, I went on his Facebook page, and he told me to type in the message to Pastor Harvin. And then the message was, the seeds that you have sown are still being taken care of. I, you know, that, that just blew my mind because I never heard that phrase before. The seeds you have sown are still being cared for. That's what, that's what it was cared for. The seeds you have sown are still being cared for. Um, that is true and very much true in ministry. You, you've sown seeds and they're being cared for. And just like three weeks after that, Pastor Jason comes up to me and he says, my brother just accepted the Lord Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I've been, he said, I've been talking to him about giving his life to the Lord. I've been talking to him so much for so long, and now he's given his heart to the Lord. And I, I told him, I said, well, you know, three weeks ago, the Lord told me to tell our former pastor that the seeds He's sown, are still being taken care of. And that's probably true about what happened to you, Pastor Jason. The seeds he's sown in your brother were still being taken care of. Amen? Amen. 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 Um, so, uh, uh, the plow. The plow, the idea of the plow is um, to, um, first of all, to, to break up ground. Uh, uh, I mentioned that but there was actually a prophecy about the plow back in, um, when, just before Pastor Rob and Pastor Anna came to church. Um, I had a vision of the plow, and um, in also scripture verse in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in love or mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness on you, upon you. Uh, break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is actually ground that has been plowed, but then it was just left dormant. 
and nothing, no seed was put into it. And, you know, over time, because of rain and uh, the hot sun and stuff, the, the, the ground gets kind of crusty and hard again, so you have to break it up again and then plant the seed. And, um, you know, the ministry that Pastor Rob and Pastor Anna, um, uh, the ministry that they did in this church was, significant in breaking up fallow ground, if I might say. Um, the fallow ground actually is your heart. Yeah. It's yeah. your heart. Yeah. And um, the ministry they had was significant in a, a number of ways. First of all, they had growth group. Growth group was about bringing us together in small groups and talking about issues in life and the issues that, how they affected our lives and, um, and uh, how they affected the people around us. And um, we got to know each other as a church body very well. And I, I learned a lot from that. That was a great ministry. Um, and um, I'm sure you as well benefited from that. Um, we had, they had challenges like reading the Bible in a year they had community events, um, trunk or tree, things like that. Those were neat ministries that not only blessed us, blessed our heart, but blessed others as well. Amen. Yeah. So that was that was um, that was how that plow came about. Um, the, my vision of the plow is exactly like that. We found this on the internet. We were just the first page that we went to looking for a plow. That I said, that's it. That's one. Just, just, and and I, very specifically that little ring. The Holy Spirit leads you in ministry. Um, so uh, let's talk about the garden, the garden of your heart. That was a title that the Lord gave me. And it, it, the key text um, is in Genesis. The book of beginnings. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Um, that, I, want, I want to um, tell you some things about the garden. First of all, Eden is uh, Eden means pleasure, and you know God made all the things that He did. You know the the 
to the sun and to the moon and in all the creation that he did. And every time he made something, he said it pleased him. Uh, the, the word pleased man um, in, in the Hebrew actually says that God thought it was beautiful. And then he, when he created man, he wasn't, he wasn't satisfied. And he said, not quite. This, you know, man needs a helper. And so um, out of Adam's deep sleep, uh, out of Adam's rib, he created woman. And then he said, this is beautiful. And, uh, and Adam, his first job of employment, more or less, was to be a farmer, to um, keep the garden, as I just read in that scripture. Um, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Um, some of your Bibles, uh, I mean, I've got the English standard here, but some Bibles say to dress it and to keep it. To dress it means to cultivate, to cultivate it and keep or preserve the garden from all intruders. Uh, to keep it, to hedge about, to guard and protect. That uh, is a clear indication that there's an enemy or an intruder involved in keeping the garden. And that's, that's what I want to talk about. Ah, look out out there. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Good job. Um, that's what I want to talk about because here's the first reference of an intruder or an enemy that comes into a garden, Adam's garden, God's garden, and um, causes trouble. And uh, um, mind you, um, this is a law of first reference about something that happens when, when you have first re reference about something that happens. It, it sets a pre precedence for the whole rest of the Bible. And um, uh, you know the story of uh, Adam and Eve, how um, I think that what happened was that Adam some wasn't with Eve at the time that Eve was tempted with the fruit. He was somewhere else. I think the enemy distracted Adam somewhere else. The enemy had Adam somewhere else and distracted him while another enemy was distracting Eve and trying to get her to eat the fruit. And then um, Adam came back and he ate some fruit too. So the idea is that, and then of course afterward they were banned from the garden, the idea is that um, you know, our heart is a garden of good and evil that happens. Out of our heart, good things happen. Out of, out of our heart, evil things can happen as well. And, and it, is, it is vitally important and essential to keep our heart from evil things by keeping out, you know, the, the things of the world. Um, in the garden, you know, the, 
the thorn is is described the thorn is described as uh, human suffering that's that's a spiritual word for a thorn if you have a thorn in your garden you know it's just a weed and um, the thistle is also described as um, evil something evil and you know I don't I don't keep a garden uh, out in our backyard but you know weeds come up all the time you get the same weeds you know every day or every week and and weeds are just trouble and and it makes it difficult to um, to uh, grow things well so there were some things that happened immediately um, I think after Adam and Eve ate the fruit number one what they knew before mentally before they ate the fruit now they know by experience what's going on they know good and evil they lost God consciousness and they gained self-consciousness they lost the power to do the good and gained the power to do the evil number three <coughs> Instead of becoming like God, they became unlike God after they ate the fruit. And they lost their glorious sinlessness, that innocent-looking face. So, you know, they're... I, you picture this, picture this garden of Eden... God made everything beautiful in the garden. He did it just for man. You know, if, if, if it was you or I, as Adam or Eve, whichever, uh, in the garden, he did it for them. He made a beautiful garden for them. And someday when we leave this earth and go to heaven, we will get to see a beautiful garden like we've never seen before a beautiful garden flowers flowers that they don't have here on earth is what I'm told just different things that we've never seen before and uh, grass I, I, I hear stories about um, people that have given their testimony there's a show about uh, um, people who have flatlined have died either on an operating table or out on a paramedic call. And they flatlined and they left their body and they could see paramedics or doctors working on their body, but they went up to the ceiling and went, went to heaven and experienced what heaven was like. And they, they said that it was just peaceful and beautiful and they were totally at peace and everybody was happy and there was music and and stuff like that. Um, but just imagine all that. How God loves us so much that He created a garden for for Adam and Eve. He loved them so much, and it was principally for them. Um, I think you you read on you read on after the fall. They were banished from the garden. They were. Um, an animal was killed to, so that they would have clothing 
from the animal skin. And then they had to um, do animal sacrifice as a sin offering. And uh, Adam and Eve eventually had children. Uh, they had Cain and Abel. And you know the story about Cain and Abel, how um, in chapter 4, uh, the time came, uh, is chapter 4, verse 3, in the course of time, Cain, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. Now, Abel, as you know the story, Abel brought the right offering. It was supposed to be an animal offering, and it was for sin. And um, Cain brought what he had grown from the ground. And essentially what Cain brought, in, in comparison to what we do today, um, he, Cain brought a tithes and offering type of thing. That's what he brought of his own hands that he worked. And um, God simply told him, you just, just go back and bring me an animal offering and you'll be good. You'll be right. You know, and the king, uh, God also said, you know, sin, sin is at your door, Cain, but you can overcome that. If you do well, in verse 7, Will you not be accepted? And if you do not, well, sin is crouching at the door. This desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And isn't this a problem we have in our Christian world today? Sin is always at their door. Sin is always at the garden of our heart. But it says... This desire is for you, but you must rule over it. You must keep it, sin out of the garden of your heart. That's what this message is about today. Um, Cain didn't do that. Cain didn't bring another offering. In fact, he went out. He was angry. He went out and killed his brother. And the scripture says <clears throat> that uh, the Lord came to to Cain, he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother, brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. I think there's there's some texts that even show that blood is plural, not singular. In my English Standard Version, it's singular, but in some texts it'll say it has an S on the end of blood, plural. In other words, what Cain did he not only killed his brother, but he killed the descendants of his brother. The, the children that he was going to have, and grandchildren after that, so forth. Um, it's significant that sin can not only just affect one person, but it can affect many people. Um, Cain never repented. He never repented. It's amazing that even uh, if you go back, if you go to Revelation, 
um, during the tribulation times, there's people that, it says in Revelation, people won't repent. They refuse to repent. Uh, and those are going to be tough times. Uh, I want to um, talk a little bit, I want to jump ahead and talk a, a little bit about Noah. Noah was obedient to, to build a, an ark uh, a boat for the flood and he was the only apparently the only evangelist at that time the only preacher and only eight souls were saved out of all that was there all the people that were there only eight people were saved and think about if Noah hadn't been a preacher if there hadn't been he hadn't been a Christian. Maybe his family wouldn't be a Christian believer. Where would we be today without Noah? Do you ever think about that? Would God would God have raised up somebody else? And, and, and the flood happens and everybody's wiped out. Where would we be today? Uh, I want to take you. Let's keep going. Uh, <coughs> I want to take you over to Ezekiel. Um, Ezekiel chapter 15, verse 49. In it, um, Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Says, Behold, behold, this was the iniquity of the sister, thy sister Sodom. This is scripture verses talking about Sodom, talking about the land of Sodom, the sin there. Ezekiel 16:49 says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread. An abundance of idleness was in her, in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor, poor and the needy. Did, did you get that? Let me read it again, because there's something missing here. I, I don't know if you caught that or not. Ezekiel 16.49 says, Behold, this was the, the sin of thy sister Sodom. The first sin was pride. The second sin was fullness of bread. And the third sin was abundance of idleness. In other words, pride. God, God was not in their hearts. They think only of their self-will. Pride. Fullness of bread. They took the blessings of God, but they forgot about the blessings. They forgot about worshiping God and thanking God for the blessings. And the third one, abundance of idleness. In other words, they were too lazy to help their others themselves or others and neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor or needy. Do you know what's missing in there? There's not any mention of sexual sin in there, is there? 
in Sodom and Gomorrah. No, no mention of sexual sin. And, you know, these, you know, uh, what did Pastor, Pastor Jason say, you know, putting on the armor of God and fighting the three enemies? Do you remember? It was in the very first sermon on the armor of God. He said there's three enemies. One was world culture. Second one was Satan. And the third one was your sin nature. Our sin nature. World culture, Satan, and our sin nature. Those three. And pride. Pride is so easy to slip in in a person's heart. So easy. And uh, forgetting to thank God for blessings is, is the second one. But abundance of idleness. I want to touch on that. It is so easy to, to slip in to worldly things when you have a lot of time on your hands. A lot of time on your hands. And that's exactly what happened to King David. In Second uh, Samuel, You remember King David and the story about him and Bathsheba? Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. I'm kind of jumping. I'm, I'm not using all the material that I have here. I'm kind of jumping on around to save some time here. So bear with me. But it's 2 Samuel chapter 11 um, verse 1. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1. Okay, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, all the kings go out to battle in the spring of the year, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David, King David, remained at Jerusalem. And you know the rest of the story. It happened. Late one afternoon, when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from a roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. Uh, it happened in the spring when kings go out to war. What happened to King David happens to many uh, Rocky the Roman soldiers. They David wasn't where he was supposed to be. David saw something he wasn't supposed to see. David did something he wasn't supposed to do. 
and it cost so many people in his family. It cost so many people to lose things they weren't supposed to lose. It divided his family right down the middle. And the family that was against him, there was a family member that wanted to be king. One of David's sons wanted to be king. Remember that? And David had a lot of things to patch up. The Bathsheba's husband was uh, first um, told to go home to spend time with Bathsheba, but he refused. He slept on the doorstep of the king's palace because he didn't think it was right that his fellow comrade, Rocky Roman soldiers, were out on the battlefront. He was home. And he didn't think it would be right to be in his own house, eating at his own table, and sleeping with his wife when all, all the other soldiers were out on the battlefront. So he slept at the palace. So then the next day, King David sent him out on the front line, the very front line, and he was killed in battle. And then, of course, you know, the prophet came to him and said, you know, confronted him about it. And King David was a man after God's heart. He was a man after God's heart. And all it took was going up to the rooftop and seeing this beautiful lady. And he just like had a change of heart. And that happens to everyone. There's a lot of soldiers. There are a lot of soldiers that fall. I, my, when my son was stationed over in um, Afghanistan, he was he was um, he was uh, right at the border between the the borderline between Afghanistan and Pakistan. He was within like a couple miles where from where Osama bin Laden was living in a compound when they, they stormed his compound and took Osama. And in fact, um, he was about to go on furlough on leave and come home, and they, they captured Osama bin Laden or took him out at the time he was there, and they shut down the airport and he, there was no travel anywhere. They, I mean, they shut down roads and airports and you, you couldn't move. You couldn't go anywhere because they thought, you know, this was going to escalate into a big time war. So that, my son Justin was there. There was, I would, at the time I was working at um, Murphy Brown feed elevator, delivering feed, and there was a guy there who, uh, whose son was also stationed over in Afghanistan. His name was Dustin. So my son Justin, his name was Dustin. He was, he was out um, in Afghanistan, east to eastern, I believe is the right direction from where Justin was on the border. And he was close to a very dangerous valley. Um, they call they call it Dead Valley or something like that, where if you had to fight in that valley, uh, most likely you wouldn't come out alive. 
And so um, Dustin's father, him and I were talking. We were, he was working there as a truck driver delivering feed, and we would talk every day, and he would tell me what's going on. And he called his son, Dustin, one night, and to find out, you know, what's going on, how it's going. And, uh, and Dustin said, well, Dad, we're going, we're going out on a mission tomorrow, but I can't tell you where we're going, you know, because that's secret. But his, so, uh, his dad said, so, so what are you doing, Dustin? Well, we're just hanging out here. You know, we're playing cards and listening to music and stuff. And, and he said, boy, you got to get your head in the game. You can't be doing that. You've got to get your head in the game because you've got a mission to do the next day. You know, and your life depends on it. Your life depends on it. You know, your life depends on saving other people's lives as well. That's what, that's what, that's ministry. I mean, even if you're a soldier in Afghanistan, you're, you're in ministry. You're, you're, you're out there to save people's lives. You're out there to save innocent women and children that could get shot or blown up. He said, Dustin said, you know, Dad, you're right. You were right. The next time they talked, Dad, you were right. After that phone call, I got, I got down and I got to thinking about all the things I need to do, all the precautions I need to take as a soldier, what I need to do, what do I need to be aware of, where do I need to be, what happens if I get separated from my troop, what happens if my comrade gets shot, what do I do, where do I go? And that's the same in uh, living a Christian life. If you're in a place where you know, you realize, I should be here. Like David was, up on that rooftop. I should be here. This isn't the place for me to be. That guy had more wives. He had a lot of wives. What's the matter with him? That guy after his own, God's own heart. All the wives he had, what's the matter with him? Well, you know, I, I sometimes say that about myself. What's the matter with me? What am I doing here? Now, this isn't, this isn't the heart that I should have for God. This isn't how I should serve God. You know, I need to get this worldly stuff out of my heart. You know, I need to get back in the game. I, I tell you, I, I worry about um, Christian um, Christians today because it just seems like sometimes it just seems like repentance is just thrown out the door. <clears throat> you know what I mean? You know, you, you sin and you, you don't go through the motions of um, like First John one nine says. If I, if I confess my sin, it says, God is just and willing to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And look at look up here. This banner, Psalm 51:10.
Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Wash me. I shall be whiter as snow. I just, I just wonder, there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. <laughs> there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. You're either a Christian or you're in sin. And God, God will not hear your prayer. If you know that there is sin in your heart, he won't hear your prayer. You need to get your heart right with God. Cain refused to do it. He refused to do it. That guy got even worse judgment put on him after he refused. He was he was put out further away, banished to a certain area. So, oh, um, grab my phone here and check the clock here. All right. So, yeah, wounded warriors need to be wise. I guess, you know, I, I, think, I think of um, Pastor Jason went through all the armor of God, you know, and, and rock and roll and model all the armor for us. And, and, but what is really relevant is what's in your heart. Listen, if you don't think you're going to win a battle, you're going to put the armor on. You're just going to stay home. Seriously. Seriously, man. Why put on the armor if you have doubts about winning? I mean, listen, there are some Christians that have some bad habits that they just can't seem to get rid of. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've been dealing with, with it for years. I, you know, I don't have to tell you what they are. You know what they are. Do you think it does any good to put on the armor? Of course it does. Of course it does. It does do good. Don't doubt. God is standing with you. God is standing strong with you. Every time you sin, you repent. You confess your sin. Wounded warriors need to be wise. Watch out for the landlines along the way. What triggers you? What triggered David? You, you know David's weakness, King David's weakness. You know what triggered him. You are the only as strong as you are honest. Are you honest with yourself? Are you honest with God? Are you honest with those around you? Put up safeguards. Put up safeguards. You know, I remember when I was in Bible college, I was working at a car dealership in Des Moines. And up the block, up the street from the car dealership, there was this publishing place where you could go and you could get copies made. And you could get uh, like a, a whole brochure done or something. 
from right next to that copy place, just past the copy place, there is an adult video place there. I remember my Bible college professor coming out of the door of that copy place. And he turned and he made a beeline away from that place down to the corner. Yeah. He he was he, you know how it says in the Bible um, to flee? Yes. Flee from evil, resist evil, flee from it. Sometimes you have to make a run for it. Yes. If you're in a place where you shouldn't be, like King David, he should have ran from that roof. He should have got away from there really fast. So, anyway, wounded warriors need to be wise. Put up safeguards. Uh, why battle a temptation in the future when you have the power to eliminate it today? Put, put, put up safeguards. Keep your garden safe and secure. Why would I wait in the future to eliminate a temptation to sin when I have the power to eliminate it today? Why would I? Warriors don't run into battle without a plan. Warriors don't get overconfident. Ah, that, that's where pride comes in. That, that's happened to me. I've gotten overconfident. Ah, and I tripped up, you know. Wrong thinking can confide lighten you in a battle. Wrong thinking. Sometimes you have to flee the battle and run. I mean, if somebody was with you, you probably wouldn't have to flee. But if you're out in that situation alone, you may have to run. Make a run for it. You're in a new territory. You're all alone. Like that professor. To me, it looked like he came out of an adult video. From my angle of what I was seeing, but I know he wouldn't go in there. I, I know he was coming out of a copy place because he was carrying some papers with him. But he was parked down in the corner. He knew there was a video place there. I'm sure he knew it. He went in there and got his papers, came out that door. He didn't even look to his left, which is the video place was on his left. He made a turn for the right and he made a, he made a beeline. He hustled down to the corner, around the corner, got in his car and left. I was just amazed. Uh, God is always there for you, warriors. God is always there. Do you remember how his disciples just scattered when, when Jesus was arrested? You know, our ministry, you know, our ministry is, takes on 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the love chapter. You know that. That's what ministry is about. Agape. Patience, kindness, generosity, humility, courtesy, unselfishness, self-control. Self-control, that's a big one. Righteousness, sincerity. 
Love is a soil on which we grow. And love is a foundation on which we build. Remember that coffee cup out there in the lobby? That coffee cup, the growing growing page, sharing page. Remember that tree on the coffee cup? You know there are five roots shown on that tree. Pastor Robin, Pastor Anna created that design. There are five roots on there. And the word agape, which means God's love, is five letters. And there's five roots. You could put those five letters under agape. Growing love, or growing faith, sharing faith. Faith works by love, you know. Love is, love is a soil in which we plant, in which we minister to people. You minister to people, you minister to yourself, and you minister to God. Come up here, worship, and we minister to God. He ministers to our heart. God ministers to us. Teachers in the adult Sunday school, in youth group, in children's church are ministering. Everybody's ministering. So, uh, get your mind back in the game, man. God is always there for warriors. There's always hope, and there's always, there's always hope, and there is always a potential for healing. There is. It's always there. Just call on God. Five things. Five things I mentioned some of these things already for to get back in the game. Get your head back in the game. Get that warrior heart in you that you need to have in you. You need to have a warrior's heart to get back in the game. You know, to have uh, a game plan not have doubt about whether you're going to win or, or not. Confess to God, 1 John 1, 9. To confess to God if you've, you've fallen, you've stumbled, you've sinned. If you have doubts, confess, confess it to God. Confess to the right people. It's, scripture says, confess your sins one to another, pray for each other that you might be healed. Remove the triggers. Number three, if you continue to, to lose on the same path, remove the path. Go a different path. You know, David's going to have to stop going back up to that roof every time. He's going to have to take a different path, right? I wonder if Bathsheba is up there today. You know? You know what I mean? You take a different path. Get the necessary help you need. Counseling. Whatever it takes, get it done. Let the goodness of God heal your wound. Will it be easy to win? No, it may not, may not be easy. You may fight a battle your whole life. But with Christ there is freedom. With Christ there is joy, and with Christ there is intimacy with your Father in heaven. You need help from your spouse, from your brother, from your father, from whoever you can get help from. If 
you're not winning, it's because you don't have the right people around you. You can't fight your battles alone. And our ministry is about helping others that are, are weak. We have to we as soldiers have to help our comrades, others who have fallen. It's not about judgment. Not, not about judgment at all. It's about love and respect. Knowing that you could be in their place. It could be you that having a problem. We need each other, and you don't fight for righteousness only. Rocky the Roman needs to know that Rocky's not weak. Rocky's not a victim. Rocky the Roman doesn't take shortcuts. Rocky the Roman doesn't deny himself. Well, he does deny himself. I'm sorry, he does deny himself. He, acknowledging that he does need others' help, you do need your comrades with you. Yes. And, I'm sorry, and you make sacrifices. Do not surrender to the enemy. The mind will always be your battlefield. It is you are its commander and you are not its slave. Warriors are overcomer. Overcomers. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. The enemy isn't attacking you because you're weak. I mean, you, you could be weak, but that's not the reason. That's not the sole reason the enemy's attacking you. It's not because you're weak. The enemy is attacking you because you are a warrior. You are, you are advancing the kingdom of God. That's why the enemy attacks. You go out there and you share the gospel of peace with people in your workplace, in your home, in your church, in your community, the enemy doesn't like that. You bring your family to church, the enemy doesn't like that. Welcome to the mission field. It's the mission. The enemy is attacking you because you are aware you have a kingdom to advance. You have someone to protect. You have protecting your children. <clears throat> protecting your children and your grandchildren. That's that's your ministry. You know, the, the, the world is, has changed so much in the past five years. Um, you know, we have sex trafficking going on today. We have, uh, our political system is so divided. It seems like it's okay to lie now, not even say the truth. You have 
someone to protect. You have a battle to win. You may fall. Yes, you and I, we could fall. We could stumble, yeah. And we may fail, but a soldier always gets back up and fights. Amen. Right? You always get back up and fight. Dust yourself off. I, I know I look. I look out at you, Lori and Justin, uh, paramedics. You're fighting to save people's lives. You don't win every battle. You don't save every life. That's true with the soldier as well. We've had, we have people who have used to be soldiers, veterans. You don't save every life. <coughs> But with Christ, you rise to fight again. Because you are a warrior, and a warrior may not win every battle. But a warrior never stops fighting. Amen. That's your mindset. You never stop fighting. I know you guys need prayer. I know that it's hard out there sometimes. And when you continue to fight with the people of God, you will see the victory of Christ. Uh, praise team, you want to come back up? I'm just about done here. Get those ministry instruments formed up. Worship. You know, you know the enemy hates worship. You know they. Did you know that? You know, if you've got, if you've got an enemy just blanketing you with uh, temptation, like David up on the rooftop again, David should have started worshiping. That, well, first of all, he should have gotten off the roof too, but he should have just started worshiping. And um, the enemy runs. They hate worship. They hate it when you worship God. You know, Satan used to be the leader of worship. He hated it. He hated it. And when you continue to fight with the people of God, you will see the victory of Christ. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So that's the garden of your heart. That's what it looks like. You're, every day, every day, you are confronted with things on the news. Go ahead and start playing. Just strum a little bit, because I've just got like three more minutes left here. And uh, yeah, every day, I think we're going to get out early today, aren't we? It's about on time. Every day you are confronted with, with, with um, things in the world. I mean, you turn on the TV and you hear lies, you hear anger, you hear, um, you see violence, you see that on TV. Just grab 
you know, and, and that gets into your heart. That's that's what I'm talking about. The garden of your heart. Those those start out as little seeds and become weeds in your heart. Did you know did you know this thing about the seed? It's an interesting thing about the seed. When you when you take a seed, it doesn't I think every seed is like this. Um, farmers know. You take a seed, it has a hard shell on the outside. Yeah? And you put it in the ground and that the hard shell dies, it comes off, and out comes what grows. And that that's a very good description of being born again. You know, not a corrupt corrupted seed, but incorruptible seed. You know, you're born again, new. New life. Yeah. I, I, I always wondered about that, you know, it says the seed dies. What song are we going to sing? Let's pray. Father, help us to do battle together, protecting the wound that you would heal it, and that we would honor you fighting the battles and working the ministry that you have called us to do. Father, you've called us to ministry. You've called us to battle. Father, I pray that we will open our hearts to people around us, and the need that they have, that the help that they need, that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and praying for people just like Pastor Harp, who is concerned about his church. And you, you told me to let him know that the seeds he's sown are still being cared for. Lord, you're still caring. You're still taking care of everyone. You're still on the throne. The enemy is lost. The victory is already won. The battle's already won. Why would we give up? Why would we give in to the enemy? We just need to keep repenting. We just need to change our, our ways and our attitudes and change our path that we're on. We can get through this with your help, Father, and with our comrades. That's why we are together as a church. That's why we are a church body. That's why we stick together. That's why we minister together. Two or, more, two or three are gathered. You are in our midst. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.